So we're going to do something else a little bit different this morning. So I'm not going to talk very much, but I'm going to give just a brief overview of our next few sermons, because we're in our membership series, and so I just want us to have a little bit of an idea of our focus and where we're going. Then we're going to talk a little bit about our value of connection and intentional community. And then we're going to have three different congregants, one of them a Zoomie and two of them Roomies, uh, just share a little bit of their own story, a bit of their background and why they're here at Blue Ocean. And I thought that would help us just get to know each other a little bit more as we're rebuilding the social fabric post-COVID. So if you're newer to Blue Ocean, the way we do membership is we do it as a one-year renewal um, approach. So every October or so, we come together, we remember our values, we talk a little bit about where we've been and where we're hoping to head in this next year, and then people who want to re-up their membership can do that. Um, we do this in part because as a nonprofit, we have to keep up membership records, but it also helps us plan and just kind of know um, who is still around and um, part of the community intentionally. And our members are people who can vote on the budget and the board of directors, which we do in early December each year. So we have a membership booklet that I sent out electronically last Friday. If you didn't get that in the weekly update email, but you want it electronically, let one of the staff members know. We'll be happy to do that. So as I was thinking through our membership series this year, and I was kind of just thinking about the arc of that, I found that lines from Psalm 23 just kept popping into my head. And so I thought, you know, maybe I just need to go back and sit with that psalm. And I realized that the framework, I think, will really fit this series really well. And so we're going to use that one. You know, it's the, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Um, and we're going to use that as sort of a scaffolding for the membership series. And so next Sunday, we're going to start out by just talking about God as a good shepherd, the good creator, who leads us beside still waters and restores our soul and our life they bring back. And so we're just going to talk a bit more about just how the creator desires that we find safety and rest in our lives and how they want us to know at our deepest level that we are loved just as we are, enveloped by grace, and how much we just really need a healthy spirituality and a healthy church communities that can help us tend to those weary parts of ourselves and our souls. And that it's from that place of being able to find strength and resilience, right? It's the place where we can learn to listen to the voice of the Spirit leading us. And then we'll follow that up the next week by talking about how God leads us on pathways of justice for their name's sake. And so we'll talk a little bit more then about how we're shaped by the teachings of Jesus about Jesus' own understanding of his own Jewish tradition and of the streams um, of his tradition that demand liberation and justice for the poor and the oppressed, and how we can be most effective at joining Jesus at that task within our own spheres of influence. You know, our church is really largely inherently justice-oriented, I would say, just from our birth story, from the culture that we created when we started the church. It's just kind of who we are. Um, something that I have noticed as I've worked quite a bit in social justice circles is that people can burn out really quickly if they don't have those tools of resting and being, right? That we have to have those tools of being able to find those still waters so that we can walk the paths of justice and we can affect the social fabric that's around us. So these two things go hand in hand. I think it was a couple of Sundays ago I mentioned Dietrich Bonhoeffer, at the end of his um, young life, he boiled Christianity down to two things. And he was a great theologian, right? So this isn't, he's not discounting his theological study, but he said, it's, it's pray and act. And the older I get, the more I just sort of intuit a little bit more, I think of what he was getting at, that 
There are these seasons to rest and to pray and to be that's both individually as well as communities and seasons to act. And you really need them both in a mature spirituality, right? There's this sort of ebb and flow that helps us to keep going and those feed each other. And sometimes they overlap, but I think discerning um, what is needed and in what season is part of our spirituality. And then we're going to close the series by just talking about what it means that God prepares a feast for us in the midst of our enemies. And we'll use that space to talk about radical inclusion and radical hospitality as core tenets of the gospel. Um, And I think that these values of radical inclusion and orientation toward justice, leaning into rest, healing, grace, healthy community, these are the things that kind of sum us up pretty well. And then all of that is done in the context of intentional community. So Rachel and I, we sometimes talk about how intentional communities are just so important for resilience, right? And for facing those big challenges when they come up in life, whether that's a personal health issue, whether it's a divorce, um, or whether it's like the big collective scary things like COVID was in its beginnings, right? And I don't love to dwell on too many fearful what-ifs, at least from the pulpit. Um, (laughs) But I think I'm not alone in suspecting that we might have some potentially difficult things down the line. Right? There's climate change impacts, and there's political ickiness, and so on. And we hear a lot about self-care, and I absolutely affirm self-care. We don't often talk about community building as being part of that self-care and resilience, right? Because it's our relationships that we need that see us through the harder times and help us find that joy and comfort. I didn't put this in my notes, but this morning I was thinking about how when we had that big ice storm, It was pretty scary, actually, on our block, because there's tons of big trees. This was last February, and all the trees were just crashing down. There was no power in our neighborhood. And we went out on the ice, and we gathered with our neighbors right there. And the whole neighborhood was pretty blacked out, except for one house. And as we stood there, you could just hear the cracking and the crashing. And there was like a big explosion that caused a little fire in the back alley. And Rachel and I were like, it was just so good to know that we like knew our neighbors. We knew their names, right? That, that's the way that we adapt, the way that we get through. And so intentional community, I think, is really important. And we have to tend to that in the times when things feel a little easier so that when things are less easy, um, we're ready for those. So I have to say, I've been like really especially blown away by the intentionality, um, you might even say faithfulness in our tradition, of some of the Zumi congregants. Um, I think it takes a lot of intention to develop online relationships. I, I mean, you guys have taught me something about that and the fact that this is the second annual year where you've gathered here and actually come here. That takes intentionality to come to Michigan to connect. I think the closest person was Columbus, Ohio, which is still three hours away. Um, and I know that not everybody can do that, right? That it takes, uh, there's a cost, right? In terms of time and in terms of money. And so it feels like a real gift Um, both to me as well as to our community that you are here. And I feel really humbled by your commitment to deepen relationships with a congregation that um, you're connecting to mostly online. And we're really glad that you are. So I wanted to give this space then today for just a few people to share a little bit about Why Blue Ocean. And so we're going to ask Vanessa Lyons, who is one of our Zoomies from Kentucky, uh, to come up and share first. <laughs> I go into my Indiana accent when I go down. Ask Rachel, it gets deep, but not as deep as yours. Just, just for the record, I oh, am wearing shoes. Here. You are wearing shoes. Bought them just for this trip. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
and then Mike Morton and Nancy Broadway are going to share. But go ahead and share whatever, whatever is on your heart here, Vanessa. Oh, I'm glad you gave me permission for that. <laughs> so, Emily, I, I'm Vanessa. I'm from Kentucky. Go Big Blue. And that, that, that comes in handy in Kentucky because we're also Big Blue in Kentucky. And I am a diehard Michigan fan. Let me just back that up. My father-in-law's from Detroit, and when I met him the first time, he said, you like sports? Yeah. I don't care who you root for as long as it's Michigan. <laughs> he actually turned down a scholarship to quarterback at Michigan under Bo Beckler. He joined the Army instead. He wanted to leave Michigan, and the Army said, come on. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I started attending right after COVID. So I've been attending as a Zoomie for three years. And originally when Emily had asked for any of the Zoomies to speak, my intention was to share my experience of my daughter who you see on Zoom. Unfortunately, she had a wedding so she couldn't come this weekend, but my daughter's Mariah. She's on quite a bit with me. You also see my cat frequently. <laughs> um, but my intention was to speak about her coming out as a lesbian and our background was Southern Baptist and even though our home was affirming, fully affirming, you know, when she was in high school, I wholeheartedly supported, she had friends who were LGBTQ and I supported them wholeheartedly. Mariah helped start the first GSA at our high school and so 100% fully affirming in our house. But still the teachings of the church took over and when she came to uh, terms with her sexuality and I asked her why she never shared that, that she was struggling with that with me, her first words were, because if I said it out loud, it'd be true. And I realized that the church's teachings overpowered what her family was teaching her. But that was my original thought. But last night, I had a wonderful conversation with one of our Zoomies, Roseanne, and God really was speaking to me. And I started to realize my transition from leaving a non-affirming church to finding Blue Ocean was not about my daughter's sexuality and bad theology and all of that. It really boiled down to my, my faith and my relationship with Christ was an abusive one up until then. I didn't realize that until I was speaking through it last night. I have been in church all my life, I was, and various denominations. I was actually raised in a Presbyterian church, attended Church of Christ and Catholic, uh, Pentecostal. Eventually, as a college student and then into my adulthood, I uh, felt that Southern Baptist was closest to my personal beliefs. Came to, you know, became a Christian at a young age. Went up and, you know, accepted Lord as my Savior. It wasn't because I loved Jesus. It wasn't because I wanted to be a Christian. It was out of fear. I was being told, if you don't do this, you're going to hell. So, you know, I think, what if I only agreed to marry my husband because I was afraid? That's an abusive relationship. Then, as I grow in my faith, I realize, looking back, my actions, my behaviors... They weren't out of a love for Jesus. They were out of a fear of condemnation, a fear of judgment of my fellow church members. 
You know, I was scared to even walk into a liquor store to buy a bottle of wine because what if someone from church saw me? Now, granted, if they saw me, they're in the liquor store too. (laughs) But in my community, that's a common belief. My mother-in-law would not go into a liquor store until she was in her 50s. And then I told her that they sent the security cameras to all the local churches. Uh, But it wasn't out of love. It was all out of fear. I would attend church most of the time because I wanted to for the community. But there was still this underlying fear of when days when I needed to take care of myself. Maybe it's a stressful time. Maybe I'm doing a lot. Maybe I'm working a lot. I would still attend instead of saying, okay, I need, I need some time for me. I would still go to that church because I was afraid if I'm not there, what are they going to think? And looking back now, I realized that's not a healthy relationship. It, my entire relationship and my faith was built on fear and brainwashing that I had to meet this perfect standard. And when I failed of that, from that standard, I wasn't good enough. It was a f- personal character flaw. I was not Christian enough. That's why I sinned. I don't love God enough. That's why I sinned. So, when I decided I needed to leave, it wasn't because I recognized this horrible, non-dysfunctional relationship. It was because that dysfunctional relationship hurt my daughter. It can hurt me all at once, but it hurt my daughter. And that was the final breaking point. It wasn't about LGBTQ. It was because I could not see something that I chose to, a situation I chose to put my children in was harmful. So this occurred right before COVID and then COVID hit and I didn't have a choice to find any place. I live in a very small area. My town is about 25,000 people. We just got our first Starbucks in 2019. Yeah. And we have three fully affirming churches and one that's working its way there, but we didn't have a whole lot of options. And thankfully, Ken was wonderful to do a clobber text Zoom session for Mama Bears. And I thought that was good for Mariah to attend because it's one thing for mom to say, God loves you. We need somebody who is an expert. (laughs) And so I signed up for it for her to attend with me and that helped immensely. So I can't thank Ken enough for that. That opened the door to Blue Ocean. So we started attending Blue Ocean. And so in, in my discussion last night with Roseanne, I realized this is the first time. I've been, a, I've been in church since birth. But my involvement with Blue Ocean is the first time I feel love. I feel safe. I am not seeking to uphold a certain standard and to be this cookie-cutter Christian that I am told I should be. Instead, it's okay to have flaws. And that's, that floors me because that's not something I'm used to. 
I, I'm, it's okay to make mistakes? What? I don't have to question my faith and my relationship with God if I mess up and I'm selfish? <laughs> or I scream a few swear words at a TV? Thank you, Kentucky football. <laughs> that just, it floored me. And I realized that's the same I'm a nursing professor, so that's the same process you see in people who are in abusive relationships. That I have to put, I have to make everything perfect so that I don't get harmed. And then when they leave the relationship, they're scared that everything they do is still being judged. And so over the past three years, I've learned to develop not a relationship based on fear, but one on love. You know, I have learned to love God and develop a loving relationship and to receive that, to feel loved. And that I can't thank this church enough because there are so many like us Zoomies that are all over that don't have those resources to feel that. And I think all of us would agree that's, it's not, we like to say it's the affirming stance. It's not about sexuality, it's not about gender. It's about just love. And as a cisgender, heterosexual female, I feel that love. And I feel safe. And having that in a religious organization, I didn't realize how precious that was until I was talking with Roseanne. So thank you for staying up so late. And I'm sorry if I've gone over my time, but I just, I really needed to, to get that out to just say thank you so much. I'm going to use this one to introduce Mike. Thank you, Vanessa. I, I say, we are far from perfect, but what you say is like what we're hoping to create. So thank you for that. And I think that also goes to just the culture of the other people who are part of this church and who created that culture. Like, because nobody can be a cookie-cutter Christian. I certainly got kicked out of that. <laughs> so, Mike, I'll have you go ahead and stand up here just for the sound issue. Uh, yeah, well, that's true. He <laughs> tower over me now. I'll just stand like, let's see here. <laughs> I come up to your belly button, maybe. <laughs> I had to write notes so I don't go over. Yeah. Well, it's okay if you do. I mostly... Uh, it's good. Okay. I wanted to get like an array of people's stories so we kind of see. So thank you, Vanessa. All right. My name is uh, Michael Morton. You can call me Mike or Michael. Either's okay. Uh, so I was given the... And, and by the way, thanks for sharing your notes so I could wear an appropriate t-shirt, you know? Yeah. Yeah, we coordinated that. Uh, yeah, so, uh, you know, uh, Emily asked me to talk about why Blue Ocean Faith and about me. Uh, and those are interconnected because I would not be a, or I am a Blue Ocean Faith because of the path that my life has taken over the last 20 years. Uh, I grew up in the church. Uh, I am a pastor's kid, uh, which is why usually you see me playing in the band, because if I'm going to be here, I'd rather be playing in the band than sitting there. Uh, and when I was younger, I definitely went through the uh, the good pastor's kid thing, like I was trying to behave 
you know, not embarrass my dad, you know, be a, a proper kid, always say yes to everything. So one of the reasons I'm at Blue Ocean is because I can now be the, the rebellious pastor's kid at Blue Ocean, and it's still okay. Uh, so I was a boy. It was a conservative Lutheran church with fundamentalist conservative tendencies and the dollop of purity culture. Can I make it any more obvious? <laughs> Uh, it confused right-wing politics with religion oftentimes. Uh, and so, you know, I was taught to read my Bible, and I was good, so I read my Bible. And especially, you know, there was some stuff in the Old Testament where I was like, man. But then also, uh, I read Jesus. And Jesus' words are actually what inspired me to leave that faith tradition because... Uh, you know, they wanted you to read it, uh, starting with the authority of the white ruling European male religious elite of the past 1500 years, and then read Jesus within that context. Uh, but I was just kind of reading it as is. Um, and he had things to say about the ruling elite, uh, manipulative and greedy religious teachers, those who trod on the downtrodden, and those who just generally treat people like crap. And... Uh, you know, one of the things I saw was that people that were outside the social norm of my subculture were basically treated like crap. Uh, and, you know, the guys of Love the Sinner Hate the Sin, um, which was actually used very, you know, seriously uh, where I was growing up. Um, you know, so I, I just reached a point in my young adulthood where I was like, organized religion, organized Christianity has a big, huge plank in its eye, and I was pretty much ready to be done with it. So it started a long path of about, you know, the last 20 years where I've been deconstructing and reconstructing. Um, and so, you know, Blue Ocean Faith, I know we're not perfect, um, but we are trying to build a space where people who've been told that they're not welcome to other churches at least with, you know, you can go to other churches, but there are limitations, right? Or you have to behave a certain way or this and that. So at least we have a community here. Um, and now I'm going to, you know, I, I also want to touch a bit on the, like, rebellious, like, youth pastor kid thing, because you have to know how kind of, like, weird I am, and then you can decide if, you know, it's a good idea to like me or not. So... Um, I've been, I've been a member of Blue Ocean since the beginning. I married Damali, the Sunday school pastor. She's not here, but I point in the direction of the Sunday school. Um, I am not a reflection of her, so don't hold this against her. She's, she's wonderful. Uh, I like many nerdy things. I'm a Pisces. I like writing horror stories. Uh, and I, you know, I realized a lot of things when I was, when I turned 41, I have too many hobbies. Um, and so some of my hobbies include gardening vegetables, not flowers. I hate flower gardening because you can't eat it. I'm sorry, but you can't eat it. Uh, I also realized that all of the things that I was told would send me to hell when I was younger are a lot of fun. <laughs> Uh, I especially right now I'm in like a D&D &D era and, uh, you know, Magic the Gathering and all that stuff, which ironically, I also realized when I was over 40, I was like, I might be a witch, 
but I also have too many hobbies, so I don't have time to learn witchcraft. So it's ironic because the hobbies I prefer, like D&D and Magic the Gathering, uh, which my conservative upbringing led me to believe would send me to hell, but it's actually the last bastion protecting me from learning real witchcraft and really going to hell. Um, and, uh, you know, I, uh, I don't care about sports, I'm sorry. You'll see me avoiding interacting with any of you after church. Like, I usually stay up here and help put away stuff because I don't want to talk to people. It's not because I don't like you. I'm sure you're all lovely, but I just am afraid of the kind of interactions I might have with people in the church setting where they might have expectations and judgments about me, and I just don't want to deal with it. But it turns out when I talk to a lot of you, you're actually lovely people, and I know that. So just know it's about me, not you. Uh, I used to be a history teacher for six years, and I went back and I became an attorney. And because I'm a white man, I'm very good at just filling up space. I'm sorry that I've dragged this out, but I can go on talking forever. Um, but all of that is to say that I feel like, despite how I'm just a mess like that, uh, Blue Ocean is a nice community that I still feel welcome. Uh, and so for me personally, that is why Blue Ocean. So thank you. Yeah, I was taught that um, there were people murdering people across the street from us in the park because they were playing D&D. Now I love D&D. <laughs> also, Mike, you can catch as one of the stars of Rocky Horror Picture Show at, uh, in Canton, which I'm going to go see. Definitely rated R, right? So just be warned if you go. Don't take your kids, maybe. All right. Thanks, Mike. Nancy. Hello. Wow, I don't ever come up here very often, so this is kind of cool. It's beautiful out there, too. In here, out there. My name's Nancy Broadway. I have been part of Blue Ocean from the beginning. Uh, and so I'm a, well, recovering Catholic. <laughs> I was um, brought up in, well, raised in Plymouth, Michigan, not very far away from here. Uh, my mom was a devoted Catholic, so we would practice going to church every Sunday. Uh, my father, on the other hand, um, was brought up Baptist, and his influence on me was nature, uh, the, um, what, the, the great spirit, the universal, um, and how to embrace that and be part of that, and treating people equally. Um, a lot of his social justice work was in his workplace, recognizing the importance of having minorities and women in leadership with his organizational development work. And I'm just re reflecting on that, him being in the basement working on his workshops, I would be down there with him watching him write his, you know, the graphs and things that they used to use. Now we have it all PowerPoint, but um, I appreciated that uh, dichotomy because it allowed me to see, oh, we can all live in the same space. Now, it wasn't always comfortable because it was always my dad getting in a suit for Christmas and, and, and Easter um, and just seeing very stoic and, and challenged. He didn't really appreciate, he didn't really appreciate oh. that space. Um, so 
growing up there, and then uh, as I uh, decided to move to the state of California and start my career, I met a man, um, he's an African-American, and I have two biracial daughters, Lottie and Janae. Uh, Lottie is married to Lena, and delightful women. They're here this weekend because I'm 60 years old today. <laughs> but what's most important is, as I was reflecting on my daughter's like, well, what are you gonna say? Did you write it down? You wanna rehearse it with us? I'm like, no, this is about God. It's about God being part of, and it's about a journey. And my journey begins in that space of being Catholicism but it was also investigating different things when I was in college and who I decided to marry. He was a pastor's son, um, and so we participated in the Pentecostal church there in Northern California, which was very interesting to me because it was all laying on hands and speaking in tongues, and I was introduced to a lot of lovely people there, so I appreciated that very much um, and gained more from that. Uh, then coming, uh, these are all parts of my community, right? So there's this community, and I always felt like I needed to have that community. Um, and as I grew and uh, learned um, how narrow my thinking was, how fixed set my growth mindset, my, my mindset was, it was so fixed and judgmental and yoga was not okay because if you practice that, if you say namaste, if you bow, if you, like what? That will, is not something you're supposed to do. So this is what, what Blue Ocean means to me is that I can be on my journey and every one of you can be on your own journey. And I have learned and to keep an open mind about what this means to each one of us. Uh, my uh, sexuality is, very, is different from anyone else's. And just to be learning more and being open, um, I believe that's part of my, my journey of growth. Um, I'm not done. I'm continuing to learn. I just finished a, um, a five-week course with the Zen Buddhist Temple, which was so delightful. Um, and why? Because I was introduced to Mystically Wired. I'm like, but wait a minute, you're not supposed to meditate. That's not supposed to be what you do, you know, because you're, you know, oh, what goddess and god are you talking to? And like, now I've learned other things. And so I've so appreciated that. So in learning and meeting some of those folks at the Buddhist temple, you know that like there's only like five in the whole US. Yeah. So one is right here. And I've really enjoyed being part of that space, enhancing my practice, um, as I've been um, practicing meditation for a long, long, long time now. Um, so in part of Blue Ocean is the, the um, um, what the, the allowing, allow, you, allow any of us to do our own journey in the way we do it. The allyship group has also helped me expand and learn from my daughters and from other folks, children and siblings, um, aunts and uncles and those types of stories. Um, the Hope Clinic. Being part of the Hope Clinic has also helped me to um, see people, see them. Um, and I realized in going back um, and, and just 
being peaceful and mindful about being there, the amount of folks that come into that space um, to, to get nourishment, that keeps me connected to my community and the people there in that space. Um, so I've really appreciated that being part of Blue Ocean, being part of that, um, that community also. Um, I continue to learn. I continue to practice various types of prayer, meditation, uh, mantras, chants, all those types of things, staying open um, to what um, God needs me to see and God needs me to hear and where he needs me to be today in order to be of service to others. So that's how I see Blue Ocean um, for me today. So thank you. Thank you, Nancy. Yes. Thank you so much, all of you. I feel like that was actually a pretty good summary of a, of a lot of the landscape of us. Southern Baptist, Catholic Pentecostal, mainline, evangelical, um, doing work, openness to interfaith, iron sharpening iron. So thank you all for sharing. I know we've probably gone a little bit long, and I'm always mindful of the Sunday school teachers in that space. We usually do a little silence. I think maybe we'll just do a very brief, knowing that people make noise, um, and just kind of let the spirit do whatever it's doing. Maybe if you came here with something that you just really wanted to put before God in community, we can take that time for it, and then we'll move into our corporate prayers. So thank you, Holy Spirit. Creator, we thank you so much for bringing us all here into this space from our different backgrounds. I do feel like it's that image of just sort of gathering, like we've been on these trails and we're kind of gathering at the edge of the woods and we get to travel together um, at least for a time. And so I thank you that we found each other at the edges. A lot of us who maybe haven't fit the cookie cutter image of whatever space we were in. We ask that you continue to breathe in this space, that we would have open arms, open hands, and that we would just be a place of rest and respite for people, kind of like for weary travelers. Um, we ask that you would renew us in this space. We ask that your spirit would empower us to be in our communities and to be able to affect um, things for the good, and that we would be able to have eyes to follow Jesus the best as we are able. In your name we pray, amen.